Welcome to See, Hear, Speak podcast, episode 10. In this episode, I talk with Debbie O'Shea about how she thinks big, but starts small when managing burnout while leading change. Debbie shares her experience as a reading specialist, teacher, and literacy coach, balancing the urgent desire to make positive literacy changes within a U.S. school setting with adults' varied competencies and capacities for change, all while managing her own needs. We have an honest discussion about the key components for managing complex change, how to secure your own oxygen mask before helping others, and using the Mind Your Gap framework as a way to effectively motivate adult learners. This conversation is part of a series on leading literacy change that I have created for a course I teach online at the MGH Institute of Health Professions in Boston. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to check out www.seehearspeakpodcast.com to sign up for email alerts, for new episodes and content, read a transcript of this podcast, access articles and resources that we discussed, and find more information about our guests. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Welcome to See, Here Speak podcast. Today I have Debbie O'Shea and Norma Craffey, and I will start by having you introduce yourself, Debbie. Hi, I'm Debbie O'Shea, and I'm a teacher and instructional coach for in Boston Public Schools. When I start in September, it'll be my 18th year, and I have transitioned from teaching directly students to focusing on teaching adult learners. I, in addition to being a teacher in Boston Public, I have a master's in education leadership from Northeastern, a master's in special education from Michigan State, certificate of advanced studies from MGH Institute of Health Professions in reading, and I recently completed my national board certification for exceptional learners. Wow, Debbie, you like to go to school. Wow. Yes, I did. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I but definitely love to go to school. It's definitely a PhD. It's more two PhDs if you put them together, so. Maybe that'll be the next step. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's where I am. Um, I'm Norma Craffey. I'm a first-year doc student here working in the Sale Lab with Dr. Hogan. Um, I come from a public school background similar to yours, Debbie. Um, I worked as an integrated special ed teacher pre-K to 2 um, for a while, and then I transitioned into a reading teacher role um, under Title I, and I was also here at the IHP to um, get my reading specialist license. So today we're going to talk with Debbie about managing burnout and and also just thinking as a leader how to balance taking care of yourself with taking care of everyone else. So the title of this presentation when I used to give it in person was Think Big, Start Small, Managing Burnout While Leading Change. And I always started off um, with, you know, that I'm a person. So with multiple roles in life. So in addition to being a mother and a wife and an aunt and a friend, and also next to um, a picture of my family, I often show a picture of me with a student and a a grandfather. Mm -hmm. So just saying that family goes a long way in the work that we do with both my own family and that the role I have, um, the stakeholders of what I, of who, with whom I work are the students, but also their families at large. Absolutely. And then yesterday we spoke uh, with a few people about the um, Julie and Kelly about compass points. And I like how you bring that into this discussion too. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of compass points. It's actually something 
as I've transitioned into leadership, I have all of my teams do at least once a year, if not even more, because I also think, you know, we can transform from being, I started directly south when I first started in education, which then I quickly realized that the shortcoming of being an only south is that things weren't getting done. So I had to move into other directions. And it also is important that teams are made up of different directions on a group. So even within this room, we have like a west, a south, um, an east, and a north. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's really important to think that change happens when we are all working together with different skill sets. Yes, I so like I that. that. I shared that um, I've had uh, a couple years ago, we had uh, in the lab, every we realized in this activity that we had all four points. So we really started to use that as our kind of yes. mantra. And you'll see on the wall of my office, I have the compass. And that's why, because we started to get each other a little compass, right? because we realized that it was such a nice um, representation of how we worked well together, but we also recognized our differences. So I think that's that was a fun thing to do. And self-awareness is key because I think when I'm trying to have change occur, you know, I have a sense of urgency, like, well, we might have a new teacher hired, but the students in front of them don't have a year for her to learn how to teach reading to students of multiple languages and different L1s that are, you know, across a variety of domains, whether it's just they only have oral language in their family's language or mm -hmm. what, how that works. So we don't have a year for that person to learn, but in actuality, there are different ways that we can use each other's skill sets to help with that because it is there is a sense of urgency in education um, where we feel like we want everything done now but without ourselves making sure we're in touch with people's feelings mm -hmm. the east to have the vision work that is this year next year 10 years from now the west to help us plan it out and the north to make it happen mm -hmm. i think is kind of what like while we feel a sense of urgency it slows us down so that manageable action can happen that makes total sense. Yeah. I love when you talk about you know, managing complex change, like you feel this urgency, but it takes time. And can you talk us through this amazing graphic yes. that I'll put on the resources page about managing complex change and all the different aspects. If something's missing, what does it look yes. like? So I, this is it a binder I have of resources. So I highly encourage people as they go into this work is to hold on to the touchstone texts that are transformative in your own thinking and practice, that help you develop the principles of what you believe, what you stand for, and what resources can help people better comprehend you know, what you're saying or where you're leading people. And this is one that is tattered, it's this tattered salmon colored mm -hmm. paper, and I keep the original because it was so pivotal in my leadership development, and it's what I got during my um, administrator program, the leadership, and leadership program. And it just really helped me when I could gather that a group was feeling a certain way or even an individual, it really let me see that what was missing from this equation. So vision plus consensus plus skills plus incentive plus resources plus action plan equals change. And when trying to mobilize adult learners to make change for again, the pure benefit of our students and their families, it is really important to pay attention to where the adults are. And I feel like as you know, in the leadership role, it's our responsibility to fill in those missing parts of the equation. And when it comes to leading literacy change, um, in my experience in Boston Public Schools as a teacher, special education teacher, ELL teacher, um, classroom teacher, and then as an administrator, and now as a teacher leader, I think the biggest piece missing for a lot of people is this action plan. The mm -hmm. schools tend to begin to feel like a treadmill. We're doing the same thing all the time and nothing is changing. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think the skill set of being able to develop an action plan, implementing it, holding people accountable, 
you know, I was, we were just talking when I have personal things going on, like a sick kid, I, something might fall through the cracks and I need that accountability, not for someone to not be compassionate about what I might be going through, but to say for this to happen, for our vision to occur, we need this action plan. So that sense of accountability that an action plan creates, I feel like has, has for me been in this long equation, one of the huge pieces. So in the equation, if you have, you might have vision, mm -hmm. you can even have consensus, you have the skills needed, you have right. incentive. A lot of times maybe the incentive is just, you know, wanting children to do better right. in literacy, for instance, you have the resources, but then if you mm -hmm. don't have that action plan, what I like about this is it lays out, if you have all those components and this one's missing, it yes. equals treadmill filling. Yes. Like that's yeah. so cool. I think that's yeah. such a, such a common feeling in education is having that treadmill, whether it's like curriculum fatigue, cause we're going to mm -hmm. adopt something new because what we didn't do last time. So that's a really interesting way to look at it is not having that action plan. I also like how you mentioned about holding people accountable yes. while being compassionate towards them, mm -hmm. because I think so few times in education we experience that with yes. our administrators and vice versa or anyone who's coaching us and you know how that can really um, acknowledge that we are people first and mm -hmm. that there are life issues that come across right. our way and it doesn't mean that we no longer want to do our best or do our best by children but that you know in acknowledging and holding them accountable you can also give them that that piece of compassion that builds right. that relationship and with the creation of an action plan, it could be something that is, you know, very comprehensive and mm -hmm. involves many stakeholders. It could be that while you're trying to, you know, you, you go to a conference and or you take a class at MGH IHP and you hear about this amazing program that you realize your school really needs. Mm -hmm. But you go to the administrator and you're like, we need this program. And you're like, nope, it's not in the budget. There's, you know, they're seeing it, this you know, sense of urgency on just it's an urgency in my part or priority may not be that it is for them. And it's like, how do you plant a seed and water it is what mm -hmm. I often think of to that like image in my head. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the title of this think big, start small. You may not be able to get the district level or school mm -hmm. level, but you might find a colleague mm -hmm. who the two of you can reach out to somebody and say, we want to pilot this. Mm -hmm. And maybe in the budget is room to pilot it in one classroom. Mm -hmm. And then, so think big, start small. And then that that can be an action plan that mm -hmm. it's you and a colleague mm -hmm. but that you have a you know system set up that you're going to check in about it evaluate its effectiveness and then share out mm -hmm. so i think sometimes i definitely know that when i was a student here i was like i'm going to go back and i'm going to you know do this at my school and i'm going to contact the district <laughs> and they're going to be like whoa debbie <laughs> what, bring it you know and yeah. i realized Let's do now it. it's like yeah and it actually was you know it started by sharing this it starts by yeah. sharing a story it yeah. starts by right. you know yeah. it can I, I realize I really is that that's my mantra that yeah you know, do you have um, any recommendations for um, teachers and teacher leaders and especially in the field of literacy of how you know what are some of those levers of change where you can think big but act small but maybe that small impact is really going to push you know a bigger effect is there anything you can suggest or anything um, something that's come up and it's interesting it's came up in all of my graduate programs mm -hmm. and now even at a district level it's a large part of the work that people are recommending is done is the um, data cycle the cycle of inquiry mm -hmm. about how you identify like a dilemma or there's a problem and usually it's associated with student data good, bad, or ugly, it is there. Right. That's what we are held accountable right. for, especially in public education, and how that can lead to, okay, here's the dilemma. You know, what's our what's our goal that we're going to do? What are, how are we implementing it? Mm -hmm. How do we stop and evaluate how that's going and, you know, change that again? Mm -hmm. So I definitely think, like, that cycle of inquiry, I think, helps to slow everyone down, get everyone on the same page, mm -hmm. and create this steps of how you, try, you implement that based on your 
theory of action that we will be able to increase, you know, X students by <laughs> Y percent to make sure that we are having eighth graders leave our school at work at a K to eight prepared for um, having options and opportunities for high school and beyond. A large part is making sure that they have strong literacy skills. Yeah, absolutely. And if their literacy skills are not as strong as we want, we need know that they need to be, that they are aware that that is true. Right. And so the students and families can advocate for right. what they need as they transition to high school. So that cycle of inquiry has been extremely powerful. I think that um, makes a lot of sense. And with the action plan, thinking about, you know, having that action plan, sometimes you can feel, I can feel, I'll just say, I, I won't say you, mm -hmm. I can feel very <laughs> overwhelmed yeah. by thinking of this long-term goal. So I love how you're saying, you know, think big, start small, mm -hmm. you know, and, and take those steps. I have a book I love called, uh, that I've read many times called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. It's really more about writing, but I love it because it starts out and it's, uh, tells the story, she tells the story of having to write a report and she forgot the deadline and she had to write about all these birds. <laughs> and so her, her dad just said, take it bird by bird, just bird by bird. Yeah. And so it's like really nice to, I have to tell myself that often, you know, when I'm starting something big and to say, okay, just bird by bird, just mm -hmm. take it one step at a time, one step at a time. And then that kind of gets you through, especially with that sense of urgency, which I often feel so impatient mm -hmm. about wanting to move you know, something forward. It's like, no, and, but I do have to say now, and you probably have, both of you probably have this experience now too, is that once you've had some experience, you do realize like, oh, actually it does happen. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. But it's, then I just remind myself of something that did work that was big, but it took a lot, a lot of time, yeah. Yeah. but it did pay off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's, it's almost like to me having those mental, the mantras that you can say to yourself yeah. yes. that then get you through those periods of frustration, anxiety, um, in the burnout part where right. you're just really feeling burnout. Cause like I'm doing all of this and you maybe you feel on the treadmill right. and then it's like, it brings you back to the action mm -hmm. plan. Okay. I'm just going to do it little by little and it's going to get done. Mm -hmm. And I think that another common piece I find, um, in education right now is frustration about like resources. Mm -hmm. And I keep yeah. thinking, you know, spoke on the internet and like just everything online in general has opened up so many more resources. Mm -hmm. And so how as a leader in a school, um, either as an SLP or as a teacher, as a reading specialist, what can you learn? Like what skills can I hone, I should say, mm -hmm. so that I can then become part of the resources. Mm -hmm. But the resources aren't always about buying the curriculum. Absolutely. It's about buying yeah. these programs. It right. could be that. And there's always right. you know, a plenty of phenomenal programs. That's true. But sometimes it's the resources are right in front of us. So how do we grow leaders? Right. And you know, I think there's this, and this is something I really struggled with is I, you know, I was down that trajectory, going to school constantly. And then when I started to have a family, I didn't, I don't want to be at school till 10 waiting for a bus on a snowy day. Right. In addition to worrying about how we're going to get all of our eighth graders to finish as proficient readers and writers and thinkers and speakers and listeners. And so I, I you know, I had to really figure that out. So now I went back to teaching, but now, now I'm in this teacher leader role and I have to really be clear on what I will and won't do mm -hmm. and what my priorities are as an educator. So I think that has been really helpful to know that what I, the principles on which I stand, the mantras I have, the resources that I might go to, mm -hmm. how I'm going to develop my skills. You know, doing this podcast mm -hmm. is developing my skills. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just, you know, pushing myself into uncomfortable so I can learn also, but that there are often resources right in front of us that we need to mm. tap into. Mm. And so I think um, just, I was just thinking about how we develop skills, mm. get the resources, implement action plans in addition to the other pieces. But that is definitely what I've seen. 
I like this because you can you can kind of look at maybe how you feel personally or how mm-hmm. you're sensing other people feel. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, um, I'm sensing from my team that there's some confusion about what we're doing or maybe why. Mm-hmm. Then I could look on here and say, okay, confusion. What is causing confusion? In this, in this um, um, setup, you would say that the confusion is because there's a lack of vision. Right. So you have the consensus skills and incentive resources, action plan, but you don't have the vision. So people are confused. It's like a time to step back and say, let's do the vision. And then I like how like anxiety you know, yes. if someone's really anxious about mm-hmm. it, we have the components of vision, consensus, but maybe they're feeling like they don't have the skill set mm-hmm. to do it. That can cause a lot of anxiety, even if the incentive resources and action plan. The other one we often see is this idea of um, resistance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like everyone's, you know, you, you have a vision, maybe there's consensus, the skills are there, you have the resources and action plan, but what's the incentive, right. especially... A lot of the times when we're making change, it's something extra, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, it yes. really is. That's yeah. that's a and big there's component. so and there's so much extra right. today. Being a t- I mean, even it's um, since the time I entered education 15 years ago, even in that time, there's so much extra, and it can be such good extra. But like you were talking about, you know, with the data, data is a huge yes. thing, and so many teachers are not trained in data. Mm-hmm. And in addition, a lot of districts uh, mandate that their teachers write their own curriculum instead of buying their own curriculum. Um, And I certainly, when I worked in Harvard Public Schools, I was trained as a curriculum writer, but I was paid extra. I was trained in how to do it. Um, And then you not only get varying qualities, but you get teachers who really, not only are they resistant, but I'm thinking of like the sabotage piece and not even necessarily that I I think that they're trying to sabotage or maybe that's too harsh of a word, but when they really have, maybe they've experienced a time where they had a good curriculum, they could come in and teach, they could enjoy projects, they could connect with families, enjoy mm-hmm. that work-life balance. And then it's just escalating to a point yes. where all you're doing is work. So right. thinking about how, you know, how to manage that um, and making sure there is things like con- consensus and resources, like you were saying before, like building the internal capacity yeah. of your staff versus just purchasing the next, right. you know, best thing that has Common Core aligned or, right. you know, research based on it. Because then we end up with book rooms full of books. And I'm like, how, yeah. whose hands are these in? And who's, how who's many schools them? have you been in where you see that? There are yeah. books in the basement. There are yeah. books in closets. They never, and then they're just thrown out. Right. Instead of being in the hands of kids. The other thing I think about consensus is sometimes it's not the intention of a colleague mm-hmm. or group of colleagues to, to sabotage, mm-hmm. but it could be the perception. So yeah. um, what I often find, especially when our um, middle school learners is they have, we have to decide, are they going to algebra to get the algebra that we want mm-hmm. to provide for them as like an extra class so that they're ready for high school maths and beyond because research um, recently showed that our students who aren't getting mm-hmm. two more years beyond geometry, I think it is, are not being successful in height in college. Yeah. And so we've really responded to that at my school by offering algebra. Mm-hmm. But how does that compete with the, the need for a child mm-hmm. with dyslexia who also needs explicit reading instruction mm-hmm. you know, in a one-to-one or small group situation? And that's the same time we're competing with. So the sabotage might happen by the family saying, no, I want them to have both. And yeah. you need to like, we need to get there or the math team saying we really, they really need algebra. And so how do you do those competing needs? Yeah. And, what, and I think then going back to the vision and the action planning mm-hmm. and figuring that out, like, how can that happen? Because it can't, I think when it comes to literacy change, it can't just be something like, oh, then we won't do it. Right. Like mm-hmm. then nothing, we won't do anything. There's right. always something that can be done. 
even if it's that one math teacher you see like, oh yeah, I can definitely see how I could try incorporate more, give him 15 minutes instead of the do now, he can mm -hmm. do this and thinking about that. And that's mm -hmm. a, a kind of thinking of a real situation we were, we were in a couple of years ago mm -hmm. with a student and how did we, how do we support him? Mm -hmm. and, and now you're a teacher of teachers, as yes. you said. So yeah. you yes. really have to shift your thinking mm -hmm. from teaching children to teaching adults. And that's not always a direct correlation. So how yeah. have you tackled that um, change? Change to so children think, to adults. <laughs> so, yes. And, um, and all very similar needs, right? Like mm -hmm. as humans, we are, we, we, you know, I, thankfully I am part South from the compass points. And so I definitely like try to be in tuned with how people feel. So it's, you know, being able to meet them where they are as Mike Rose, you know, said meet, meet children where they are and meet adults where they are. And then how do I push them? And I definitely think having the common vision is very helpful. So when working with the team and I also, um, use a lot of Elena Aguilar's work. And so she has this mind the gap framework. And when I first was introduced to it, it was thinking about if there's, we're trying to implement change and it could be you know, a variety of things in a school setting. Um, and there's like a pause or there's some barrier, adult learning barrier. Is it the person's will, skill, knowledge, or capacity? And since I first was introduced to that in like 2007 or eight, um, what's been added to it is emotional intelligence and cultural competence. And so with these components, whenever we're trying to move something forward, and I, there's resistance. I have to think, okay, I can go back to this equation and think, okay, what's the incentive? And then when I clarify the incentive, I now then need to look at the skills. And I think you talked about this a little Tiffany about how people feel when there's so many different mm. things being pulled on us as educators and what's one more thing. And whenever I'm meeting with teachers, I will even say to them, what people can more accurately say it's my will, skill, knowledge, or capacity than the emotional intelligence and cultural competence. So I tend to have people self-reflect. Is it will, skill, knowledge, or capacity? And then give feedback on the cultural competence and emotional intelligence. Because I think those are also aligned with the person's self-journey. And you know where we are in the continuum of both of those, people need, we need to respond to. But when I know that it's someone's will, that there's, you know, do they have the desire, intrinsic motivation, passion, or commitment that's what we have to figure out. And that's, you know, are they on, are they with us or without a, you know, doing, are, are they with us on this, trying to do change or what's happening? Getting on the boat. Or yes. Hand on I the know. dock. I, know. <laughs> I had there. an administrator yeah. use that. Really? Yeah. 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 She, that's, that was a, a flat line of you're that this is where we're going as a district. You're either mm -hmm. on the boat or you're off the boat. And, and sometimes those things, they do need they do to be happen. said. They do. Yes. Um, but nice. yeah. And if you're responding to data, so we'll yeah. have a situation where we have, you know, and I see this in many schools, there are people working really hard and we're mm -hmm. not seeing the results or student outcomes that we want so desperately for mm -hmm. them. And so we have a lot of teachers working really hard, but how are we actually creating change? And people, you know, like I was saying, I, you know, the slide, I'm a parent and I'm a teacher and there's mm -hmm. all these different things. And sometimes you know, it can actually work out that it's not a fit anymore, whether it's a certain role yep. or it's a, so I think avoiding burnout was me really responding to what my priorities were, being clear about that and being unafraid to say it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yes, I was being pushed in this administrator trajectory. And then I said, stop, like, I, I don't, I can still do change without having to like rise up, right. you know, go right. the mm -hmm. ladder and that's okay. And I think being really cognizant of that. And then, um, you know, my will is affected by what's going on around me. And so being in, in tuned with how people are as people first, I think is really important. Um, I, I wanted to say about yeah. the capacity, what you said, you know, yes. you said, okay, you're thinking about the ministry, you changed gears for a minute. But one thing that has helped me a lot, because it's very hard to say no, when yes. you want to make change and you want to make that difference. There's two things that's helped me a ton. One is 
in my mind, I'll say no to something, but in my mind, I'm thinking no for now. So it doesn't mean I'm saying no forever. It just means that right now it's not fitting, you know? So before every, when I would say no, it really felt like I would never be able to open that door again. But what I realized is that's, that's not true. That's a limited vision. You can open a door or maybe it's a different door at a later time, but it's no for now in my head. So I say no to the person in my mind, I'm like for now. And then I move forward. <laughs> the other thing I often think about is that I used to think it was like an endless capacity that I had. <laughs> because I have this strong desire and I'm so motivated and I can just stay up late. I can get up early, whatever it's, yeah. a, but it's a zero sum game. So now I really think of it as, you know, this is my time it's limited. And if I say yes to something, something has to come out. Yes. Mm. You know what I mean? So every time I say yes, I have to think, what am I going to let go of to make room for this new? Yes. And if the answer is I can't let go of anything, then I have to say no. Right. At the same time, when I say no to things and I start saying no, maybe, you know, it, to me, it's secular. I'll be really good at saying no. And then I'll say yes to a lot of things and I'll realize, oh, no, I'm too full and I'll go back. <laughs> but what's nice is, is that I've noticed that when you say no to something that's not a fit right then, so no for now, it can also open just a tiny bit of space that if something comes up that you really do want to say yes to, then you'll realize I can say yes to that and take something out and I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. But if there's an initial response of like, what am I going to take out? You know, I think that's a really critical part. Huge. And yeah. sometimes if something I take out, I can give it to somebody else yes, who is point. my younger self ready to like take it all on <laughs> yeah. and stay at work really late. And yeah. that's, they're learning and they're invigorated by it and excited by it. So I'm like, I'm not going, I don't want to go to these district PDs and learn, you know, I will, Maybe I can still get the PowerPoints or some way, but I don't have capacity to go do that. Mm -hmm. But there's someone else who's ready for that. Mm -hmm. and so I always think that I'm looking, I always say like it's cyclical. And sometimes we're looking at our, and it doesn't have to be younger, I shouldn't have said that. It could be anyone who's at that stage where they do have more capacity and things that, you know, they can go do that. Because I do think um, the number one thing I hear from people is they will self-recognize they don't have capacity. Mm -hmm. And I do think sometimes that's being very cognizant of what our schedules are like how much we're asking people to do, what's the new thing we're doing versus, you know, there, but I always say this with literacy, re, reading research has a change. change. Like has a change. our students need to be reading and I, like yeah, there's, yeah. so Still what are we, it's like, this hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. yes. Yes. There might be different there's programs. Nothing new. Yes. Right. Yes. And you can have a student on a, you know, computer assisted program. You still have to monitor it respond to when they're not making progress so to teach at some point and have teach. direct instruction right. and know where they are, um, you know, and so figuring that out. So I think capacity is often helping people realize where they do have it and helping them say no. Yeah. And so where I want to come in, like, what do you mean this hasn't happened? Or if you got here one more time, we don't have enough time. Like right. there isn't enough time. So how are we prioritizing what we're doing? Like, let's figure out what you do have capacity. And is there someone else who right now has more capacity that can do yeah. more? So it's more like not everyone has the same cup we're trying to mm -hmm. fill or, that's overflowing, but everyone has a different mm -hmm. cup. That's how I, yeah, kind of think, I think it makes sense. And also I was thinking yeah. that, um, you know, it's what I struggle with. I think this is human nature is that we often will maybe say things to yes to things that are short term so you can get a reinforcement, right? Yes. Like I will say yes to this because I know I can get it done. It feels mm -hmm. great to check it mm -hmm. off the list. Right. Even me, I'm an East and I still like to check things off the list. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, but what the hard part is that when you're making big change mm -hmm. and we, it goes back to that kind of bird by bird, mm -hmm. then you, it's hard to check things off the list. You yes. have to create the list little, that action plan list right. and you have to check it off. But it's easy to say, 
yes to these little things. You're like, oh, I'll do it in a week. I'll do it in a week. Next thing right. you know, you've said yes to 52 right. things and mm -hmm. you, your whole year is gone. Right. And you've, you, yeah, you get some immediate feedback, but it's mm -hmm. that long-term like delayed reinforcement yeah. that we as humans have to, you know, remind ourselves mm -hmm. of and create the interim reinforcement. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the hard That's part. That's the hard part. And I definitely think, um, what, when are we saying yes to ourselves? And so this is yeah. something I'm going to oh, yeah. do as I say, not yeah. as I do, yeah. I guess yep. I should say. But I think in education, particularly, is a field where like there's always something to be done. Mm -hmm. So how do you leave your bag? Like I'm known as the bag lady. All my colleagues who listen to this are going to laugh so hard because for years, <laughs> I just roll in with so many different bags. It's, just, it's like, you know what I want to do today, what I need to think about later, right. like what, and I just want to have it with me at all times yeah. because sometimes I don't know, will I be out for two days if a kid gets sick or, you know, or what's going to happen? Will I have extra time today after a staff meeting? I could, you know, and I'm always carrying multiple bags. And I think it's such a symbol for mm -hmm. that is what I'm always doing, like mm -hmm. carrying all this, these ideas and these, this thinking is what I like to think of it. But in actuality, what would happen if I left them all home, <laughs> left them at home or left them at work one day and didn't have them. And so mm -hmm. I often think like, what am I saying yes to for myself? Because with, if I'm not in a place to teach adult learners or teach children, then like, that's where I need to be that yeah. in the leader, like when leading change, the leader does have to be in that situation yeah. of, you know, cr creating a shared vision, modeling the way, you know, encouraging people's hearts, mm -hmm. holding people accountable, mm -hmm. giving honest feedback. Mm -hmm. There's, and that stuff I learned at like a college conference I did in college. Right. I like love that. It's like another tattered piece in my um, binder, my fluorescent <laughs> binder of all the, the um, documents I've collected over you know, 20 years to help inform what I do. But I definitely think um, skill in, in the same mind the gap, skill and knowledge are things that schools are responsible for providing yeah. for yeah. the staff, I think, and helping to guide what that is. That's where I find I, my voice is needed the most as a leader, yeah. is when these decisions are being made about professional development and programming, that what skills and knowledge are needed mm -hmm. and the best way to do that is to find out from the staff. Yeah. And I think that's, and, yeah. and I'm wondering, cause you had mentioned a piece, um, about your leadership, not only about, uh, you know, knowing your own self capacity and, mm -hmm. and being able to balance your work life, but being in that, um, teacher of teacher roles or as a reading specialist role, you obviously have people that are higher up the food chain than yes. you. So do you have any, words of wisdom or pearls for anyone that, um, you know, is going to get that reading specialist or and wants to become a coach for when they're in that system and they don't perhaps have someone above them that has that same knowledge as you do on, you know, that it is okay to say no, mm -hmm. that they're not going to be seen as some, you know, be marked down on their evaluation right. for not participating in the community or, yes. you know, whatever that is, like how, how, how might you manage that relationship and try to shift that? Do you have it's anything like, to like share? It's like how to manage middle management, right? Because right. That's yeah. what you're saying. You're kind yeah. of sandwiched. Yeah. Yeah. You're the leader of teachers, yep. but you also have your own yep. uh, right. you know, bosses yeah. per se. So yes. you're in that middle. That's and really that can run, kind of really facilitate some real burnout, at right. least some you know, colleagues I know. And exactly. I think yeah. that gets really, it gets exhausting because I feel like a yo-yo. Yeah. Right. right. I think um, one is over-communicating. So in the past, I used to, you know, when I first was starting leadership, I would send emails, right? Like I can mm -hmm. write, writing is comfortable for me. I will email like a bot, like, like a champ. Like, oh, yeah, 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 totally. But then people who are higher up on the food chain, as you said, like they're my email about an idea I have about independent yeah. reading library. They've got like, 5,000 okay, emails. Idea, yeah. Idea. Yeah. They have lots of that. And so if I send it again, it might get noticed, but like, yeah. you know, it, because it's a priority on my list. does not mean it's a priority mm -hmm. on theirs. And so it's like how to do that. So one, I think is finding allies. So who are like-minded people? Because if it's the voice of one versus the voice of many, then leadership needs to listen, right? Mm -hmm. If I just have my own individual thoughts and I'm asking for all these meetings, 
but it's not a group. It's like finding allies who mm -hmm. can who can do that. I also think um, that over communicating, and in today's day and age, there's all you know, email, mm -hmm. person to person, texting. What's the communication style of the people above, mm -hmm. and what needs to happen? And then once you get into a dialogue, even if it's that your uh, you know leader administrator forwards you something that they see that is buy-in like now you know you're mm -hmm. in momentum mm -hmm. doesn't need to be like good morning debbie thank you for your investment and passion and energy mm -hmm. like it doesn't always look like that right, right. so if you're looking for the yeah. unicorns that you know that come along yeah. with it, it it won't be but if you can get a, a dialogue going mm -hmm. in any way mm -hmm. hey there's this conference can i go and take two people okay it didn't happen this year then you know last year we went to this conference here's what i learned and that I think is the biggest thing. Whenever I have a teacher who has a great idea, I'm always like, put it in an actionable step, right? Mm -hmm. We could talk about ideas, which I love to do. I could talk all the time. I love going out, you know, dinner with Easts and we talk and talk. And, <laughs> um, but I definitely think if I come with a proposal, like I had this idea about how we can improve, you know, reading for our students. And, um, and so here's my plan. Mm -hmm. If you have something to talk about, mm -hmm. like beyond ideas, it is actually, you're looking at it and rooted in data, even if it's qualitative mm -hmm. data, yeah. an anecdote, right? Mm -hmm. Like that story I was just thinking of with that student is very motivational to me. And that's what I go to my leader about, mm -hmm. whether it's the administrator, um, the, you know, whoever leadership role it is, whether it's school level, district level, is I had this idea, here's my passion, and let's, here's my proposal. Mm -hmm. They may or may not take it, mm -hmm. but it, you still have put it in there and it's helped me clarify what I, what I think the actionable steps mm -hmm. are. I hear you say too, that it's just so important to know your audience. I've learned that as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, cause I also have that same kind of middle management. Right. You know, I have my lab that I'm working with and I'm the leader there, but then I right. also have my, you know, um, department mm -hmm. head and director of research and, you know, provost. And so I've, what I've learned is that you, when I'm sitting down to write an email, mm -hmm. I do think, who am I writing this to? So if it's to my right. lab, I usually include more detail because that's what they tend to want. Right. It's just more detail, more of that step. So I have to push myself to write more detail mm -hmm. out. But when I'm writing to um, administrators that are, you know, um, higher up than me and and I realize kind of all the people they're managing I'm one right. of so many <laughs> then what I do is I try to think the opposite like okay now I have to think about how do I boil my idea down right. in like one or two sentences right. or a bulleted list exactly yeah. that's so different like so yeah. minimal but it could be the same message like if I'm giving right. my lab the same message I'm giving the administrator I have to do it in totally different ways right. so it's creates this kind of flexibility that you have to have in communication right I do want to go back though because you talk about um, you know, when we were talking about burnout and thinking yes. about your capacity and how to say no, and when you spoke to the class, you talked about uh, what is your auction? Yes. Can you tell us yes. about that? So I um, love this symbolism, if you will, about when you're on an airplane and they say before helping others, you have to put on your own oxygen mask. And I actually got probed one time. I, you know, it used this analogy, like, well, what happens if you don't? Like, who cares? Like, and I, and so I watched a video and it was like, the air pressure, de it happens so quickly that you then become unable to help anybody, not yourself, not anyone else. And I think in education, this is what the, the fear really is, is mm -hmm. we do not want to get at a place, whether it's individuals, groups of teachers, or even like whole schools or institutions where we become unable to help ourselves or others. Because the students who I have you know, in the beginning of my the presentation I used to present is that that is who our focus is. Ultimately, I'm a teacher of teachers with the ultimate stakeholder being students and their families. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a constant reminder. So what is your oxygen mask? So what's your own mask before helping others? And for some days for me, it's that I, 
you know, like know what I'm wearing the next day. And that I just have that like plan, pre-planning mm -hmm. that far, like that small step, giving, you know, that that's like, that's done. Or I have some food to eat the next day. Cause I definitely hear more and more people say like, I didn't, I didn't eat lunch. I didn't bring lunch. Mm -hmm. What are like your go-to snacks? <laughs> like, how are you going to make sure you're like, have something? Yes. Or I'll see a bunch of hangry teachers walking around. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yes. And I definitely think securing your own oxygen mask. And then other years it's that like, I trained to run the Boston Marathon. Again, scary, pushed myself to limit, but that was something I was, I had capacity to do at that time and did it. So my oxygen mask will change. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like being aware of it. And I think I used to feel when I was starting an education that like, here's who I am and checklist, like here's what I stand for, check. Here's how my days are gonna go, check. It's gonna be this routine, check. And I realize now like ebbs and flows mm -hmm. and being okay with that. And I think what experience has taught me is that I you know learn from people who have been doing it and I realized that my, my, you know, it ebbs and flows. It's not always the same thing all the time. And that um, my own master's about it constantly. You're thinking about it all yes. the time. That's the thing I've started to do better, I think, over time is like, just take a gut check. Yeah. You know, how am I feeling? Like I need, to, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I need to do some things at night. Let's say when my kids go yes. to bed and I'll do a gut check. And it's like, yeah, I do feel, I can do this. And I'm doing, doing, doing. Yeah. And then there's other nights where it's like, I, I just can't do this. I know the work mm -hmm. won't be good. I just need right. to let it go. But then communicating that, I think, yes. because you, like you said, the checklist, you know, I, I want to have the checklist of like, I'm a person who says they're going to do right. it and they do it. And mm -hmm. I want to do it yes. on time. Like that's kind of the mental image. Mm -hmm. Right. But then what I've learned over time is that it's better to have, to just be open. Right. You know, like with yeah. my collaborators, I have to say, you know, what? I'm going to get it done next week. Well, let's say I'm getting closer. I realize that happened. I'll just try to let them know, you know what? Yeah. I know this isn't going to happen. You know, this is where it is in the priority list. Right. Like now, you know, it's third or something. Right. Just try to just communicate okay. a little bit more. I appreciate that as a leader. Right. To have people communicate to me well, what they're going to do and why. Exactly. I often think about this. I mean, I don't know if they're the deadlines for the course, but I have to say when I did teach um, some courses at UMass, I was like, you could, the due date is Thursday, yes. but I'm actually not going to do it till Sunday. Right. So anyone who reached out to say, can I turn in? I'm like, sure, because yes. I, and I will tell them, you're right. It's, and do not stress about this right. because I'm actually going to be grading it Sunday. You're, it's not inconvenient, mm -hmm. so don't stress. Absolutely. But, it's, it's, but if you make a routine of it, then you become known as that person. Yes. Yes. So I do think there's this other yeah. piece about like making sure we over communicate, but we also have to model the way. Mm -hmm. And so I think figuring out like where are those places that as a leader, I really need to make sure I model the way. And so how do I not go down, you know, the um, teacher room talk of like the, what can, especially when we're so right. tired and everyone right. is burned out at the end right. of the year because right. it's exhausting. How do we then lift each other up? How do I, you know, my colleagues listening laugh at this too. How do I like feel that, but then also show up for the cookout. So we're, mm -hmm. you know, we're all laughing together. Right. Yep. And so making right. sure that all those pieces are still. But it goes back operating. to the saying no. Yes. Right, because yes. then it's yes. like if you get in the habit of every night, you know, yes. if I catch myself every night feeling exhausted and not being able to yes. do it, and then I'm making excuses, to me that's like, oh, I need yes. to say no. Right. You know, I need to get rid of something. I, need I feel to, like that's such know, a hard thing to do in education. Uh, you know, it and is hard. It is, it is so hard for teachers um, not only to say no for it to be okay to say that's no. Exactly. It's, just, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. Cultural. And I, I've been reading a lot um, yeah. lately about, you know, there's a huge push for social emotional learning for yes. our kids. But there is no talk of social emotional wellness mm -hmm. for our our teachers and how to it, it, how to balance that and how to provide that type of environment so that burnout isn't so high. I think I think right now the average is five to seven years oh, for I teacher burnout. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't have a citation for that, but that's a common um, right. you know thing that is often mentioned. Um, and you know that's that's awful to think that people who are so passionate and, and want to work with kids and do good that you know don't make it very far.
You bring up um, the emotional intelligence, which is on the mind the gap graphic and the and cultural competence. And I think these are two areas that schools also need to give attention yeah. to. So, you know, that I, like when I first mentioned, I said, this is why I often give people feedback. And our, some, some schools are very invested in this. Mm -hmm. I know my school, we're doing a lot of tons of professional development on mm -hmm. cultural competence, mm -hmm. um, which again, I think is meeting our school mm -hmm. where they are and the teachers. And I think that giving the time for that. And so, you know, like um, there's a saying, one of my former bosses used to say was um, inspect what you expect. Mm. So basically like, what are your vision and priorities of a school? Mm. And then how do you make your time connect mm. with that? That's and so I think phrase. that's what it is. Like we need to learn our families better. So we have invested a lot of time in this yeah. and, you know, making sure that that happens because that has been a pro an identified priority. Mm. And I definitely think is um, what are the priorities from a school level, district level, teacher level, you know, my, if you know, we're one other person, what are our priorities? And being very clear on that, because I think that helps with the yes and no, um, especially if you're an SLP or reading mm. specialist and you know you get to create your schedule based on the student caseload. If you don't put in there 30 minute lunch, nope. it, yeah. it's not, and like, and then hold yourself to it or find right. an ally who can say, we're gonna eat lunch every day yeah. so that you eat that lunch. Yeah. Because to think that you would go home and not eat lunch, it's, it's like, but it's yeah. never, it was just laughable. I get into this too. So it's, I think it's also that we, it's the expectation, but yeah. it's also what drives you to be a teacher. So right. yeah. it's like this yeah. match, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, why do I want to be a teacher? I want to help children. Right. It's like one of the number one things you right. hear yeah. from teachers, SLPs, right. educators in general. I want to help children. I want to help the future generation. Mm -hmm. But then what you realize is that in doing that and having that caregiver kind right. of giving, mm -hmm. then you tend to neglect yourself. Yeah. I was thinking recently, like, I am so... Um, thoughtful about what I put in my children's lunches. Mm. I make these lunches and I think, okay, it's going to have a yeah. vegetable, it's going to have a fruit, I have to have a protein, <laughs> right. I have to have a grain. Giving you and a gold I have, star. What do I pack for myself for lunch? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. silly. It's really silly. I, I could just, instead of packing two lunches, I could put another yeah. lunch out right. and do the you same said. thing. Yeah. But it doesn't even occur to well, me. There, and <laughs> when, um, the, for some reason, after like January, schools, schools, the year just seems oh, to like yeah. disappear, like yeah. stand through yeah. tips. And there were so many times this year I had someone come in and be like exacerbated, like, Debbie, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, have you eaten? No, it's true. And right? there it's like yeah. stopped in the tracks, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Like, you, like, you know, you might just be hungry. Like, yeah. let's go do this because oh, yeah. it's exhausting. I, I know, like, it's so, like and like, you know, as kids are asking for snacks. I'm like, gosh, if kids are all asking for teachers, are. You know, no, loving your kids so much yes. that you take home and you, you, you know, take on every that, piece. That, which is really hard. And that's, that's incredibly hard. And mm -hmm. um, especially it, even, you know, more so, I won't say more so in the reading specialist role than in other roles, but, you know, you do feel that combined of urgency, but then knowing like what the outcome is yes. in their life, life. if you exactly. don't change yeah. that. And that's, yeah. that's a heavy weight to carry around. But those relationships, when we were talking, I was yeah. thinking like, you know, how do you take care of yourself, but also how do we help take care of each other? So yeah. I think like the relationships right. we yes. develop are huge yes. with our others, colleagues, yeah. with um, yeah. families and students, you know, we know yeah. the mm -hmm. research shows how, yeah. Like yeah. crucial it is with, yeah. with students. It's, I think it's the same with colleagues. That's about spoken that. like a true self. Right yeah, now. <laughs> that is. I know, that and is. I love it because yes. I do think yeah. it's critical, but it's not always on everyone's radar. Yeah, no. um, I'm going to be mindful of our time. Okay. But one other thing I want to do when we wrap up here is um, I'm going to uh, highlight the main principles that okay. you had in your talk, mm -hmm. and also yeah, yeah, and and think about how we've covered those uh, for the listeners. So. One thing you talked about is just think before you act. Yes. Right. And that you have to think what are your fundamental mm -hmm. principles? 
and you have the big ideas and what's the data to support that vision. Mm -hmm. And thinking about what resources you talk about, your binder, yes. having that go-to references. I'm going to give a shout out to another podcast I really mm -hmm. like called the SLP Happy Hour, mm -hmm. because that actually, that podcast was developed to talk about managing burnout for mm -hmm. SLPs in particular, but mm -hmm. it applies across. And so even just having those resources that are go-to, like, I think it's a state of mind, right. right? This oxygen mask and this idea of taking mm -hmm. care of yourself, knowing who your allies are, and then thinking what are those small steps bird by bird you can make, yes. at, you know, mm -hmm. just to make that big change. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for coming thank you. and thank sharing you. your so amazing wealth of experience. And thank you, Norma, too, for joining us and sharing your experience as well. And uh, I'll, on that note, I'll wrap up. Thank okay. you for coming. Thank you. Check out www.seeherespeakpodcast.com for helpful resources associated with this podcast, including, for example, the podcast transcript, research articles, and speaker bios. You can also sign up for email alerts on the website or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other listening platform so you can be the first to hear about new episodes. Thank you for listening and good luck to you making the world a better place by helping one child at a time.